UMass didn't play their best hockey against Northeastern on Friday, but Kenny Connors scored in overtime to give the Minutemen a 2-1 win. We're talking all about it live from the homecoming tailgate. Let's go. Character. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode 97 of High Character. This is the first time we've done anything like this. We are live right now from the tailgate, the homecoming tailgate. UMass football played plays today against Merrimack in their homecoming game at McGurk. Uh, we're in the parking lot today after UMass just beat Northeastern at home, 2-1, to one, a great overtime victory um, against their rival Northeastern. So we're here to recap that game and talk all about it. My name is Cameron, and once again, I am joined by my good pal, Evan. Evan, how you doing, man? Doing well. Feels weird, kind of out here in the middle of, middle of the wide open, but uh, hey, I'm ready to talk about some UMass hockey. I mean, I feel like, in summary, it's kind of one of those things where like you get what you deserve, but in a delayed sense. Like I feel like we kind of got what we deserved like tonight, but basically from the BU game, I feel like we deserved to win that, but had a little bit of a rough start to this game, but hey, we ended up pulling it out in the end, so... Feels great, and I'm definitely ready to talk about it with you today here, Cam. Yeah, and we've done some things like this before. We recorded from a couple hotel rooms. <laughs> we did it in London and yeah. Belfast here and there, but never outside, never at a, a cool UMass event like this. So this feels pretty good. Maybe maybe we'll start to do more things like this in the future if uh, if anybody's a fan of it. We'll see how difficult it is putting this all together and post with the tech. But yeah. for now, it seems like we got everything figured out. And yeah, like you said. Um, UMass won two to one. Seemed like they probably should have got all three points against BU last weekend. We recapped that one in our last episode. Seemed like for most of this game, they didn't really deserve to get three points. Um, they didn't play great. They came out pretty flat. There were some interesting quotes after the game from Coach Carville that we'll definitely get into after we for recap sure, this for game. Sure. But uh, yeah, they end up. That's what the good teams do. They win games that they really shouldn't. So they get two points out of the three. So. Pretty happy, pretty happy to get that result, and uh, I think this team will learn from from that going forward. That's that's kind of the big key is kind of just the whole learning part. I mean, it feels like this was another. It, it was kind of a similar case to the, to the last game against BU. Like we, I don't want to say choked it away, but it seems like they like we we let in late equalizers in both games. You know what I mean? Like the BU game. I mean, Macklin celebrating. He's gonna do what he's gonna do. We we saw that last weekend and. In this case, it was more of just a massive defensive lapse, it seemed like. It looked like we were in control for the majority of that third period, and obviously we'll get into that a little bit more you know, in due course. But, I mean, it's a little, it's a little concerning because it seems like you know, we should have got the three points right off the bat, honestly, in both instances. You know what I mean? Like That third period from the, from the Northeastern game was really, really well done, and to kind of have it lead to an eventual OT kind of sucks at the end of the day, but... Hey, we, we, we got what we had to get, you know, we, we got it done at the end of the day. So definitely happy about that. The points are in the bag. Not all three, unfortunately, but I'll take two against a fairly decent uh, Northeastern team. Yeah, and let's jump right into it. So um, a little little bit of an update with the lineup before this one. Obviously, um, Michael Hrabble, he's been absolutely excellent. He was Lights against out in this game. So uh, he obviously gets to start. Um, trying to find the the lines it seems like UMass didn't post them but yeah they're um, basically identical to the to the to the second BU game so yeah the uh the one big note from last weekend Jack Musa shifting up to the second line um Deserved. so he was still up there yeah the guy's an absolute animal so not much changed with the lines there um Samuli Nassari out yet again yeah. I think we have to talk about that um he was scratched with an illness for the second time a couple weeks apart so you have to assume it's not the same thing but a little bit of a a weird trend and he's been Far and away, UMass's best defenseman. So a big, big deal not having him in the lineup. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he needs to get a flu shot or something. But I mean, this is the second time that he's he's gone out with an illness, and I mean, he's one of our more important defensemen. So for it to be, I don't want to say something as silly as an illness, but like usually if you're if you're going to be out for a little while, it's usually due to like you know a sprain or something you know more muscular rather than just a straight up illness. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he needs to take some Robitussin or something. Like, he needs to definitely figure that part of his game out, though, because when he's available, he's a lights-out defenseman, both, honestly, on both sides. He's no slouch offensively, either. He had a really hot hot start to the season. The fact that he's kind of, you know, he, he's obviously, you know, we've seen the better defensive side of him more recently, you know, with an amazing amount of block shots over these past, you know, I'd say three series now. 
he's looked really, really good on that end. So to have him not be immediately into the lineup, a little concerning, but hey, we, we managed to do just fine without him. He has a pretty, pretty big blow. I know Northeastern had a few guys that they've had out for a few weeks now, so both teams playing a little bit shorthanded. And uh, Northeastern coming in, we know they're a pretty good defensive team so far this season, so a yeah. um, little bit of a concern there on the UMass side of the defense, but as you, as you know, this game ended up being a, a defensive battle. So uh, let's jump right into it. So Northeastern comes in. They are... Uh, trying to win their first game at Mullins in eight tries. 0-8 yeah. at, at Mullins in the last couple of years. So crazy dominance. And that might have played into um, their their pressure in this game and their, like, how hard they tried, basically. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so first period, uh, I thought UMass actually came out pretty well. They got a, they drew a penalty right in the first two minutes yep. of the game, a tripping call on Cam Lund. Um, power play looked okay. Didn't look phenomenal. Yeah. Um, we know that Northeastern's penalty kill over the last few games has been absolutely insane. So yep. um, not a big surprise there, but it seemed like after that, um, the ice shifted a ton, and UMass really couldn't get anything going in this whole period. Yeah, Northeastern got the kill, and I mean, like you said, we looked okay on the power play. I wager that it was really the only power play that we looked kind of effective on. It seemed like we looked a little more flat throughout the rest of the game on the power play, but I mean, obviously it's a good start. That's what you want to see. Um, the fact that it didn't really materialize into much is obviously not the best. But, I mean, overall, it like, just the whole period, it seemed like to me, was just not really just... It's not, it's not the way that UMass was supposed to play. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm looking at the stats here, and I think we only ended up finishing the period with, like, five or six shots. That right there is not a winning recipe for success whatsoever. Only four, actually, yeah. so now that I'm double-checking it. But that's, that right there is not great. You know what I mean? Like, we're a team that is at least this season, kind of prided itself on having very, very strong offensive skills, which definitely wasn't really the case last season. We were kind of lacking in the cold, in the goal department a little bit. So to kind of regress a little bit, at least just in the, in, the, in the early parts of this game, was not great. The other thing that I noticed too, Northeastern was very good at limiting shots overall, but they weren't great at blocking shots. Mm. They finished the game with only seven block shots on the whole game, wow. which means... I don't know if it was just our propensity, like, not wanting to take shots in general, but, you know, we didn't really have many shot attempts, and it didn't really materialize into a lot of offensive, you know, just kind of ability for us going forward. I think they were shutting us down a lot in the neutral zone, cutting down passing lanes, which was really the kind of the, the worst part about it all. Like, it was a lot of just, like, I don't want to say boring end-to-end hockey, but, like, it was just a lot of missed passes in the neutral zone, a lot of chip and chase. And then it would just be an immediate breakout pass on the other end. So really nothing sustained was really going on for really either team. I'd say a little bit for Northeastern, but definitely not for UMass in any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and you and I were talking about it throughout the game, especially this first period. It seemed like no high-quality high chances no. for either team. It was nothing a lot of neutral zone hockey. A lot of pucks going through sticks, passes not yep. connecting. It was kind of just a tough watch in that first period, which honestly continued into the second period. More yeah. of the same. Um, UMass really not getting a lot of shots. Um, no shots going either direction, quite honestly. I believe Northeastern had eight and UMass had five in this period. But uh, one really important thing that factored into this period was the major penalty call yeah. on Ryan Lautenbach. Yep. Um, it was it was a hitting from behind. It wasn't the classic head contact call that we've seen yep. get called so many times um, in Hockey East games. So uh, I thought we don't have a video of it. I thought I test... It didn't look that bad. Obviously, Lautenbach knew he had a hitting from behind penalty right away. You can see the look on his yeah. face. Um, the guy wasn't against the boards, but the way he fell was a little bit awkward. Certainly not um, a dirty hit by any means. He didn't mean to do it intentionally, obviously, but uh, a really tough break for UMass getting that five-minute call near the end of the second period. We weren't getting much uh, much momentum to speak of at all, and the fact that it kind of just led to a case of, you know, we didn't have much to work with right from the get-go, and then to have to basically kill off a five-minute major across two periods ended up trickling into the third period as well, which means you're not going to start the third period off on a good foot, you know, in any stretch of the imagination, which is just, you know, it's not the way to do things. You know, if you want to win hockey games, you've got to be able to generate offense and score goals, and through these first two periods, that was not the case whatsoever. Luckily, little spoiler alert, we managed to get it done in the third period, but, I mean... Yeah, offensively we weren't looking good, but at least on the on the plus side, we looked pretty solid defensively. They were getting a couple of chances, but again, Michael Hrabble standing stall or standing strong, tall, however you want to say it. <laughs> Start mixing up words here. We'll call it strawl for all we care. But 
yeah, no, he looked really, really good, and he continued to just be the absolute beast that he is for UMass. Yeah, it was uh, the penalty kill for UMass actually looked really good yeah, here. Um, of note, I guess, for that second period, the offense looked pretty much exactly the same as the first period. Uh, Taylor McCarr got a tripping call, which honestly he's been good for about one penalty a game, which really yeah. is tough, tough to see. It was a bit of a soft call, though, from what we remember. So, I mean, what, yeah. what can you really say about that? Yeah, we just you just don't like to see it. Of but uh, um, that was the end of the, the second period. Obviously, that penalty trickled into the third. But uh, UMass strong killing it off. And I thought UMass looked a lot better as we went into the third period here. Um, some more chances, some more shots, um, some, some really high-quality chances uh, in this period from what I saw and, and it paid off um, just one of the I'll just preface this one of the crazier goals we've ever seen from UMass hockey yeah, the setup uh, was unreal seven about 730 into the third period uh, Lucas Mercury he lost his stick at about center ice he kicked the puck all the way in the zone and around behind the net and was able to get a pass off to Liam Gorman uh, just an insane individual effort without a stick. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Liam Gorman immediately passes to Bollinger, who's kind of streaking up into the slot. Bollinger nips one to make it one nothing, and that was an absolutely insane goal. I don't know what else to say the, about the, it. The craziest part of it all to me was that he lost his stick kind of entering the neutral zone, and a lot of guys would just kind of want to, like, so shove the puck up against the boards and just kind of, like... Hold it there. Yeah, and just, like, let a guy with a stick make a play, but he literally didn't care. He kept kicking it along towards himself, towards the, like, behind the net, and just... He wanted to keep the play going, just keep driving towards the net under any means, like, possible. So, I mean, just that sort of mentality is just so different from, like, a lot of other teams. Because I've seen plays before where guy doesn't have a stick, he makes a beeline for the bench. You know what I mean? Like, there's just absolutely, you know... There's really, like... No other way to describe it. Like, it's just, it's such, like, an uncharacteristic play. You know what I mean? And the fact that that led to a goal in what was otherwise a pretty, you know, lax game overall, just, like, not really a whole lot of scoring, for that to be the one that breaks the ice, both literally and figuratively, is awesome to see. Especially that it was Bollinger, too. Like, a real captain's contribution right there really gets the boys fired up and could help them finish the game strong. Yeah, I was going to say good for Bollinger, too, because we saw last week he was the extra skater. So seeing him come in, score a goal, he looked, he looked pretty good in, these, in this game, too. Yeah. So uh, good to see that contribution from him. UMass, after this, seemed like they were firing on all cylinders. 100%. They, uh, they were getting a lot more chances, a lot more shots. Uh, they got a power play later in this period. And there were three chances that if... Uh, if it was what, anybody else in that. Yeah, if Whitehead, uh, Northeastern's uh, freshman goalie, I believe, yeah. if he wasn't standing on his head, mm -hmm. they would have been, been goals. Just insane pressure. UMass able to cycle, get their guys on the ice. It was absolutely incredible to see. Capped off by Kolo Hara just alone in front of the net. Yep. Um, another sprawling, diving save from yeah. their goalie. So that stretch was welcomed after what we saw for most of this game. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't think we actually touched upon it, but there was, I think, a moment, it was either in the first or second period, where Northeastern was just absolutely dominating possession. Like, they had us hemmed in our own zone for maybe four whole minutes, like, without even a stoppage. Like, we just had, I think it was Ufko and Bollinger, maybe, were just hemmed in their zone. It might have even been Ufko and... Ufko uh, and McDermott took shots off the leg. I yeah, that. and I think, I think Murray was in there at one point, so yeah. they finally got a change, but they just had us hemmed in the whole time we finally got a little bit of revenge on that front. Like, we weren't really able to give them sustained pressure. And the first time that we were able to do that in this period, we we should have had about three goals, you know what I mean? Like, we had a bunch of clear-cut scoring chances. We looked amazing. And it required probably some of the best saves from an opposing goalie in the Mullen Center that I've seen. Three of them back-to-back-to-back to back to back in order to get yeah. it done. It, it was just, you know, I feel like we deserved to get a goal there to make it 2 nothing, And... Unfortunately, as we'll probably talk about pretty soon, we, we could have used one of those goals right there because eventually uh, you might want to, I might lead you into this one if you want to talk about it. Yeah, they, they ended up being absolutely massive saves for Northeastern yeah. because less than two minutes left, um, we don't have the full video of what happened to lead up to this. Just a really strange, uncharacteristic turn of events. I think uh, Taylor McCarr had the puck held against the boards in um, Northeastern zone. Northeastern's able to get a quick outlet pass and yeah. then a full stretch pass up ice. I don't know if UMass must have been caught in a change or something because there's nobody back. They yeah. had they had two Northeastern guys alone on the on the blue line. They're able to skate in uh, 2-on-0, and uh, Alex Campbell cross passes to Cam Lund for an easy goal, one that uh, one that Harabal really had no chance no, on. No, it was 2-on-0. So just... 
very weird situation and one that you hate to see with less than two minutes left. Yeah, the thing game. that gets me the most about this is, like, it seemed like we had the ability at one point to just get possession and keep it. And the problem, I, I don't know if it was Bollinger, I don't remember who it was, but I believe a, a defenseman pinched up on a play because they tried to get the outlet pass. We ended up stopping it, and we tried to chip it back into the zone, like, to keep the play going in the zone, where really there wasn't a whole lot of pressure from what I remember. We probably could have just backskated it into the neutral zone and just... You know, regain possession, get reset, get a clean zone entry, and then ice the game. You know, yeah, you have 30, 30 seconds until their goalies pulled. Anyway, like, so. you know, they had they they were basically on the ropes, and we gave them the little the littlest light of hope that they could potentially get, and they capitalized. You know what I mean? Like, we weren't back. This is the second time that something like that has happened. That happened in the in the BU game as well. You know, they basically got a clear cut breakaway. <laughs> Very we have a late third period you know, lead. Yeah, yeah, like well, no. So this one was actually this was uh, the the away game at BU, mm-hmm. but that was the one where I think or no, was it the home game? Basically, they had the guy come right out of the box, yeah. right off the penalty, and then they just in on a breakaway. Home like game, yeah. there's just there's a couple of just random moments like that where it's like that kind of separates like the really good teams from like the pretty good teams. I feel like if we clean up little things like that, we're we're in such a good position because we really didn't give them a whole lot other than that, like. Prabble had to make a couple of really, really good cross-crease saves at times, but in you know, in general, I mean, I feel like we looked pretty good, at least in that third period. You know, we played well enough to go into that third period with a 0-0. Might have been a little bit lucky at times, but we capitalized on the chances that we were given, but sadly, it forced us to go to OT. Yeah, I know Coach Carvel's got to be pretty pissed about this yeah. one. Uh, that's two straight games now with blown third-period leads yep. at home yep. against pretty solid opponents, so... Um, that's a trend we saw a lot last year and something that definitely needs to get cleaned up if we want to have any kind of postseason success this year, um, especially on your home ice. So um, that was kind of a, a heartbreaker right there. This game goes to overtime, obviously, and uh, overtime has not been UMass's specialty over the last few seasons. Um, just doesn't fully suit UMass's skill set, I think, when you get the three-on-three. Um, the high-speed teams, something like somebody like BU, who we saw yeah, last yeah, week, um, some really high-skilled players like that seem to take over in these. So um, a little bit concerning as this game went to OT. Yeah, I mean, I, I still liked our chances overall because one guy that I don't even think we mentioned at any point in this podcast so far who I think was an, abs- an absolute game-changer was Scotty Morrow. Like, Morrow on both ends of the ice was absolutely unreal. Like, he was controlling play both in the defensive zone with – Really, really good, like, you know, stick lifts and being able to dispossess other people from the puck, but also giving them, you know, great outlet path, passes to get out of the zone. We looked amazing in that regard. So, I mean, it's one of those cases where, like, good offense creates good defense because he's so skilled with the puck. He can basically just work it out of any high-danger, you know, chance that they might even have, and we can just clear the zone and we're good to go. Um, he looked amazing the entire game, and he was, I think, a, I feel like he would have been the big difference maker in OT. Mm-hmm. He ended up being, he, he, he was, actually. He, I think he got the primary assist on the, uh, on the eventual game winner by main man Kenny Connors. Unbelievable. We'll talk, we'll talk about the details of that in a sec. But, yeah, I mean, he looked amazing the whole time. And, I mean, I don't know. I feel like we looked better than, than Northeastern, at least in the third period. You know, besides that one defensive blunder, I feel like we were dominating possession a lot of the times, and I feel like we were just going to keep that going, going into that OT. I really liked our chances with the way that we played. Yep, and Northeastern won the initial faceoff in overtime, which yeah. is always a little bit scary yeah, because if you watch these games, you know possession is the name of the game. It's yeah. not it's not really fun to watch. No. It's just if you have possession, that's when you feel most comfortable in overtime. Yeah. Um, that was really the only time Northeastern had possession in overtime. UMass took over. They were able to start cycling their, in their zone, get some changes out. Um, and Kenny Connors, you just mentioned him, uh, fresh out onto the ice. He gets the pass from Jack Musa, actually. Moro got the secondary ah, assist. Okay. Uh, Musa finds Connors at the top of the blue line. Connors skates into the, the mid-slot and just snipes one. Top corner, uh, their goalie had absolutely no chance. It was so nice to see Kenny Connors get this goal. Um, you see he's been missing that here and there this season. Hasn't really been able to find his stride, but uh, one of the better snipes you'll ever see from a pretty good distance, too. So uh, amazing goal there, and UMass is able to get the win. They get two points in Hockey East and a win on the record. So really nice to get this one done in overtime. I uh, thought there would have been a chance to get the three points out of this. You get the two Hockey East points, you get a win on the record. So overall, very productive and nice win for UMass. Yeah, no, and I think the crazy thing about that goal, too, is like like you were talking about, like there's so much emphasis on possession in three-on-three. Like, it's the fact that teams aren't really willing to take any sort of risks whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And 
when we kind of have that possession, it kind of leads you to not want to take shots. Like, cause a shot is a risk, you know what right. I mean? If you don't have the puck on your twig, it could very well be on the other team's twig. So that's obviously very scary, but, you know, one shot, one goal. We only took one shot that entire OT. It's not even like a case where, you know, crazy rebound opportunity or like a high danger thing. Yep. You're cycling around the whole time. The thing we didn't even mention, in my opinion, which is, I think, potentially even more important, a couple of key face-off wins because there was a couple of stoppages like, you know, teams were just kind of like getting the puck out in front or like, you know, the, you know, puck would go out like out of, out of bounds or whatever, yeah. like get like a key block or whatever. And huge face-off wins. I think Mercury had a big one. I think Connors might have had one. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I know for a fact we had a couple of really key face-off wins. And again, when possession is the name of the game, not just in three and three on three OT for us, but just in general, I feel like we're a very possession-oriented team. Mm-hmm. The fact that we're able to get really big face-off wins. I think uh, Vanderboys was like 7 of 8 on the night. It's like an 87% like freaking face-off percentage. Yep. That's nuts, you know? Yeah. So seeing that is is obviously very, very huge. Very happy with the win. I wish it was in regulation, don't we all? But I'll take the two points and a, and a win on the record when we can. Yeah, and we talked about it multiple times throughout here. Um, a game where UMass wasn't playing their best hockey for most of the game. Yeah. Um, and we have a coach for, uh, quote from Coach Carvel that kind of backs that up. He said, it's funny how these games work. Sometimes you think you play well and deserve to win. Sometimes you don't play so well and find a way to win. That was the case tonight. We didn't come out with much jump. Northeastern was the much better team in the first period. I thought in the second period we started to get our legs, and then we take the two penalties. The five-minute kind of set us back. Michael Harabal was outstanding. I feel badly for him that we gave up a 2-on-0 with two minutes left in the game. But he was the difference. It's good to leave the building with a win. So he kind of feels the same as us. This team really didn't come out very firing, I guess. And that ended up being a problem in the first part of the game. But defense is able to hold strong uh, and get the two points out of it. Yeah, no. Rabel was absolutely massive. I feel like that's not to be overstated enough. You know, he looked unbelievable. He, as an 18-year-old freshman, being... I don't know, dare I say, one of the best attendees in the nation right now, he looks unbelievable. And he really was a key difference maker. Um, you know, without without him, I feel like there was a lot of instances where other goalies would have been letting in some of the chances that we, we gave up. But, yeah, I mean, as a whole, I feel like, you know, we, we had a couple of really big standout players that I think kind of led us to victory, you know, and I think that's the key. I feel like as a whole team, I don't think we played our best hockey. But, again... It's about grinding out wins. You know, I wouldn't call this, like, a crazy character win. I wouldn't call it, you know, like, something that's going to, like, help us turn a corner this season. We looked – we got a win. You know what I mean? We looked okay. It wasn't It wasn't pretty. It wasn't sexy. It's not meant to be. It's hockey. You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to grind out a tough win, and I feel like we did uh, last night. We have another very interesting quote from Coach Carvel, which I def- think we definitely need to yeah, discuss yeah. before we move on yeah. here. Um, he said – one of the players said to me, I think we – not that we disrespected our opponent, but it just wasn't a high-profile opponent like we've been playing here quite a bit each weekend, and mentally we may have took our foot off the gas. That's a little concerning to me, yeah, to be like honest. Um, like we obviously got to play Michigan and BU, some some high-profile opponents, a ranked Minnesota State team on the road. So obviously UMass has had one of the harder schedules in the country at this point in the season. But for the players to take their foot off the gas because of a – disrespecting the opponent like that. I mean, Northeastern was ranked a week or two yeah, ago. Like, it's not... Yeah. And, like, obvious, obviously, we have a bunch of wins against them at Mullins over the last few years, but, like, it's a team that had our number on the road. They're a good hockey team. They've been in the tournament recently. They've been... They're higher than us in the polls in Hockey East coming into this season. So, um, that concerns me a little bit, especially considering we have a Vermont team coming in next week who... Um, not going to light anybody up in, in terms of on paper hey, things, they, they but they've been decent, a little though. sneaky, they yeah. They've, they've, they've had a couple uh, good results yeah. so far, so I don't know what you make of this quote. I don't like it. It's, it seems uncharacteristic I'm, from a UMass hockey team. I'm willing to play devil's advocate here. I, I'm going to say that the quote itself is not the best to hear, but I feel like if we're going to hear it early on in the season, I would rather hear it now and have at least – I want to be able to hear that there's like some sort of accountability. You know what I mean? Like I want to hear the fact that like somebody said that. It's not like it's just something that like they're thinking in the back of their heads and now Carby's wondering like what's not getting through to these guys. You know yeah, what I mean? That's true. They at least had the ability and you know the 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 state of mind to come up to them and like say that to the coach. You know what I mean? Like problems aren't just going to fix themselves. So the fact that there's at least a trail of accountability and a trail of just like the overall thought process behind the players and they're at least open enough with their own coaching staff to be able to share that, I think it's huge. 
because I don't think that this is going to be a thing that's going to be happening for much longer. You know what I mean? Like, Carvey's going to hear that. He's a coach that understands what things need to happen in order to have a successful program. And that right there is the biggest one, in my opinion. It's all about the mentality. If you don't go into a game with a winning mentality and you're not taking every game like it's your last, like, that's – you're not going to win hockey games like right. that. So the fact that we're at least able to recognize that, and I feel like changes are going to come because if you had that mentality, like you said, going into a Vermont game, that's a scary thought because mm-hmm. if we're going to be letting off the gas pedal, Vermont, as it stands right now this season – they're the type of team that's going to take advantage of that stuff because I bet you some of their wins that they've had this season are going to be just off of you know cases that are just like that. You know they're not going to have the other team put their best foot forward. They're going to be going 130 percent with a chip on their shoulder because nobody expects them to be good. So I don't want that to happen to us. I'd rather hear that now in a game that we win and they can address that in practice and just address you know the team mentality going forward. So that type of stuff doesn't happen against Vermont later on. I, I think I think it's an encouraging sign. I just got to say, it's it's a few months before we play Northeastern again. It'll be at Matthews Arena. The boys better come out ready for that Damn game right. because you know those Northeastern players and coach are going to bring up that quote, yes, say, hey, these guys don't respect us as an opponent. Let's go out, beat them. Yeah. Like, you, you better remember what you said yeah. a couple months down the line. So I think we'll be a better team in a couple months. Though. Yeah, yeah. So, you, you'd we'll like see. to think so. Yeah. Uh, this quote just gave me war flashbacks from last season. That was Seriously. constantly playing down to our opponent. We don't want to see that again. So, um is there anything else that we wanted to discuss? I know it's just one game. It's not two here before yeah. we get into our awards. I don't really think we need to reinvent the wheeler. I feel like first two periods, wasn't a whole lot to talk about, admittedly, yeah. and we had a pretty long discussion about the third, so yep. I'm ready to just go into the awards here. All right, cool. So we will move on to awards. The first one that we always do here is the CCC, Carvel's Character and Compete, basically our player of the game from this game. Only one game to work off of. And uh, might not be the one that jumps out right away to most people. Yeah. You and I came to this agreement immediately yeah. after this game looking at each other. Um, we've given this guy a lot of flack over the last yeah. couple years. And we got to pay it back when it's due. Scott Morrow, well-deserved CCC. Yeah. We think he looked absolutely phenomenal on the ice on both sides of the ice, defensively and handling the puck. He got, even in the defensive zone with the puck on his stick, he got out of some sketchy situations yeah. like three-on-ones, able to skate away yeah. with the puck out of that. So... He looked absolutely incredible here, and a, a lot of strides on the defensive side. I was I was pretty proud of his game. He's yesterday. he was huge, and I mean, it's kind of weird that I feel like not a lot of people kind of gave him props after the game. Like a bunch right. of people were posting like their three stars of the game. I didn't see Moro listed. I understand giving Harabel the first star. He was this freaking close. You know, I know I don't know if you guys can see it on the video, but <laughs> this close, a very very like like a little a little pinch amount. Like, he was so close to getting that shutout. You know what I mean? And it was due to a massive defensive lapse through no fault of his own. I feel like maybe if he got the shutout, we might have been, we might have been singing his praises once again for a CCC. Mm-hmm. But I feel like contextually, with the amount of crap that we've given Morrow for not being defensively responsible and good, he, he looked like the best defenseman on the ice by far. Like, mm-hmm. on both sides. Like, it's not even a case where, like, his offense was so good that it negated his defensive irresponsibility. Yep. No. He looked unbelievable. So... If we can get that Scott Morrow game in and game out, then come on. You know what I mean? That guy's a Hobie Baker candidate, like yeah. in my opinion. I think he looked that good. And this might be a, a controversial pick. Other people might want to comment and DM us or get some engagement with us and talk about their stars of the game. But I genuinely think that, that Scott Morrow is, is deserving. And that's not to detract from other guys that had very, very good games. Obviously, Mercury, huge performance out of him. You know, Bollinger, he got the he got the very first goal. Like that's that's huge. But I think on the whole, you know, if you're looking at you know the little things that don't show up on the box score, Scott Morrow did everything and then some. Yeah, he was absolutely phenomenal. I think there was even a point that you're you won't see on the box score. I believe it was a two on one. He was able to take the puck off um, the the guy's stick. Yeah. Not even not even allow a shot. So little moments like that that aren't showing up in the box score. He. He excelled in this game, and I was pretty proud and to see And the last it. thing that I'll say, too, is just the absolute effortless passing from him. Oh like, my God. If, if he was gliding with the puck in the neutral zone, we were going to get a zone entry. Mm-hmm. He was basically an automatic zone entry because he was putting the puck right on one of the winger's twigs with amazing precision and pace. Like, there was absolutely nothing that Northeastern could do about it because that's their game. Plug up the neutral zone, don't let clean zone entries in so you can't get shots against. He was just absolutely dismantling them in the neutral zone. Whether it was with speed, he was literally just effortlessly gliding along the boards and skirting around two or three different defenders that tried to stop him. Literally, he was you could not play against him under any circumstances. So I think if we see that going forward, just absolute Scott Morrow domination, dude, 
like what the hell you know he, he's basically a one-man show yeah. so i he he makes everybody else better around him at least offensively yep like i think we've honestly taken that passing for granted yes lately. 100%, 100%. 100%. effortless yeah. it seems like with his little sauce passes yep. past a couple defensemen just so. precise it looks like kale yeah. Like, yeah. like you could see guys out there that you could just tell like when the puck's on their stick they're they're not the normal college caliber, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, you can tell there are parts of his game that are NHL level. And that right there, in my opinion, is one of them. Because he makes it look like he's not even trying. Because I genuinely, at times, I don't think he is when it comes to passes yeah. like that. He can just flick them, pinpoint, with insane speed. And it just doesn't even matter. So, I'm not going to harp on it any longer, but... Good Lord, man. Scott Morrow had himself a hell of a game that I feel like not many people recognize. And he even got on the score sheet. He got yeah, an apple he, on that overtime goal, so... Great game from him, and we love to see it. We'd love to see more of that going for forward. Sure, for sure. All right, the next award that we like to give out is Good Try Award. Um, good Try UMass, obviously the famous saying. Guy that we'd like to uh, see perform a little bit better going forward. We expect a little bit more. Um, this one was kind of tough to give in one game, um, but I think you and I came to agreement on this one as well. Uh, it's Don Zlochmelis. Yeah. Uh, we, we, obviously, we've seen him, uh, the skill that he has as a two-way forward. Yep. Um, so we kind of expect that game out of him, and it just seemed like, I mean, again, you're not going to see that in the box score for this game, but uh, a lot of pucks went through his stick, yeah. a lot of missed passes, um, a lot of bad passes. Yeah. It just just seemed like he wasn't all there uh, in, in most of the uh, parts of his not game. Not too many egregious errors, admittedly. And the one thing that I will, you know, like, I'll, I'll it, what is it, like a, like a teaspoon of salt, teaspoon of sugar type of thing. Like, I don't know if that's like a phrase, but basically I'm going to give him like one good thing to say too because he was really good. Yeah, Yeah, he was really good on face-offs. You know what I mean? Like he, I think he was 7 of 10. Like, that's a very, very respectable, honestly, high-level face-off percentage. You know what I mean? He looked great on that that regard. But overall, like you said, it was just a lot of little things kind of adding up to a pretty meh performance overall. Like, he wasn't. It wasn't anything egregious. It uh, was passing the eye test. Yeah, yeah. But he, it's like yeah. he wasn't. He wasn't the reason that a goal against was on us. Right, you know what I mean? It right. wasn't like anything major where you're just sitting there like that is 100 percent your fault. How dare you? But like, you know, he just he wasn't on his normal game. You know, I think it was a pretty easy decision to us where we're just kind of thinking like, you know, he didn't really play his best. You know, because we've yeah. seen him play at a pretty pretty damn good level so far this right. season. You know, he's already had a goal. He's had a couple of really really good chances. He's had very good games so far, but. It, we're not, you know, you don't really want your guy to just be a face-off machine and really nothing else. And that was kind of what he was today. You know, in, in other aspects of his game, he definitely could have picked it up and done better. Again, we won at the end of the day. We know what kind of quality he has in him. It's going to show up very soon. You know, it's already showed up before. You know what exactly. I mean? I feel like this game is definitely an anomaly. I don't think this is going to be, you know, something that's going to last quite long. you got to remember, the kid's 19. Yep. You know what I mean? He's a freshman. Freshmen are going to make freshman mistakes. The consistency is not going to be there in most cases of freshmen. We have been blessed with amazing high-quality freshmen so far. So the fact that we're harping on a freshman for having a, I would just say overall a mediocre game. It wasn't yeah. even that bad of a game. It was pretty mediocre, though. And that's what we have to harp on him for. We're, we're going to be okay in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, even on the score sheet, not crazy. Minus one. Not a lot of goals in this game anyway. So it is what it is. got to pick somebody, and, and he's who we both agree sure, upon. So. Sure. All right, so next we'll move into our custom awards. Evan, what are you what are you doing for this game? All right, we already talked about this guy's uh, massive assist, but uh, yeah, a little bit of a two sport athlete here for for Lucas Mercury. I'm gonna give him the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> the Ballon d'Or was actually just given out, I believe, last week. Uh, went to Lionel Messi. I'll be honest, I think uh, Mercury's. Uh, yeah, wait, I just realized Lionel Messi, Lucas Mercury, we got the same LM. Yeah, the same LM initials. So I mean, it just makes sense that it's going to Mercury here. I mean, and for those that don't know, the Ballon d'Or is the best soccer player. Yeah, in the world. thank you for that. I was gonna get into <laughs> yeah. that eventually after my ramblings yeah. were over. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, amazing foot skills on this play to, to even just make the play possible. You know what I mean? Like it was a secondary assist at the end of the day, but the fact that even he even had the wherewithal to look around, recognize that he could make a play with his feet. And he made it very, very well. Like, he's a big dude. We knew that he was going to be able to kind of body shield and do all these other things, even when the stick's not even on his, you know, he doesn't have the stick in his hands. But he was still able to make a play. It was a huge play. I can't think of the last time that I've seen a soccer-style assist in any capacity. Yep. So the fact that it happened was absolutely awesome. And uh, it was just a great overall play because I feel like without that, I don't think, you know, the boys were buzzing after that goal. And I feel like we played a lot better in that third period because of it. 
if we didn't get that sort of play right there, I don't know how this game would have went in the long run. So that was a that was a really really big uh, energy play and a really really big momentum play as well. So wanted to highlight that for its uh, uniqueness. Hey, and you and I were kind of ahead of the trend last week, uh, seeing a lot of a lot of good things said about Mercury this week. Yeah, now sure. uh, we talked about it, so we don't have to go too deep. But uh, he's been an absolute stud this season. Sure. Huge leaps above where he was last year. So obviously we went into detail. Uh, we gave him an award last year. So um, just really impressive stuff continuing for Lucas. 100%. Very, very happy with his uh, his development because realistically, like, I don't want to harp on the kid too much, but the first two seasons, he was all right. But I mean, you know, sixth round draft pick, he has some lofty expectations about him. I, I wouldn't say that he like wasn't performing. You know what I mean? He was still a damn good hockey player, but he's starting to hit that level that we all kind of saw in him early on. Mm -hmm. Like we would kind of, I feel like when any freshman comes in, you kind of want to like, you know, have at least a rough idea of what his potential progress could even be. Right. Now I feel like in my head cannon he's starting to hit it because this is what I expected out of him game in and game out and he's looked really really good this season. He has so a uh, good award there. Um, the one I'm gonna go with I'm calling it the wild child award. Okay. You're gonna have to stick with me for the All for right. the explanation. All so um, you got a wild child uh, doesn't listen to rules uh, may may try to sneak some some snacks here and there. You got the cabinet Mom keeps the Thin Mints oh, up there, God. top of the cabinet. You got a little wild child, might climb on the cabinet, steal those Thin Mints. That was at Kenny Connors yesterday. Yeah. He found he found the top shelf where Mama keeps the Thin Mints. Um, an absolute snipe out of him, one of the better shots I've seen from a UMass player in a, in a yeah. bit. Um, rivals uh, Idar Suniev's snipe from a couple games ago. Seriously, yeah. So, uh, Seeing him pick that corner right where Mama keeps the thin mints, uh, to have it be for an overtime goal, game winner, uh, and he's gotten off the schneid. He's kind of struggled a little bit, um, kind of whiffed on some shots, missed the net here and there. So good to get the monkey off his back there, and uh, the placement of that shot, absolutely unreal. Yeah, seriously, he should have probably had another three or four goals this season so far. I mean, really, like it's one of those cases I feel like he did get what he deserved there. Like that one didn't really come that easy to him, you know what I mean? Like he has to glide in. There's still a defender right in front of him. It wasn't even like the goalie was getting screened. He just freaking picked that corner. and like It wasn't even bar down, but it was a damn good shot. It was just under the bar. Absolutely beautiful shot. And, I mean, we've seen that from him last season. You know, he was basically our leading scorer for, like, I'd say probably three quarters of last season. So, you know, we know that he has that in his bag. Granted, I don't think we had a single guy in the double digits for goals. Maybe Taylor got 10. I don't remember last season. But we didn't really have a whole lot of guys scoring a whole lot of goals last season. But he was kind of one of the bright spots in that category. I really do think that this is going to be where things start to ramp up for him again. He looked really solid in the beginning of the season. I think he had a goal against AIC. I think he had two in the exhibition against Dartmouth. And then we saw a low. It wasn't like he wasn't getting his chances, but he just wasn't taking them. You know, A couple fans on some one-tees on the power play. You know, Just a couple of overall miscues. It happens. I think everything's starting to click again. I mean, I don't want to jump to conclusions. It's just one goal, but I think the avalanche can kind of start here a little bit, and we can really start to see these goals pile up for him because yeah. he's really good at creating his chances. He's just got to finish a little bit better. I think if, we, if he starts playing like he did last night, we're in a damn good spot. Yeah, I think so too, and that's a big one for the confidence, especially being 100%. the overtime winner. So Huge. good stuff out of Kenny Connors, well-deserving. Uh, yeah, I think that's... I think that's everything for this game. Anything else you wanted to touch on before we move on to next weekend? No, I don't think so. I feel like we kind of wrapped up the game pretty well. All right, so uh, we hinted at it a little bit. Next weekend, we got two games against Vermont. Vermont's coming to Mullins Friday and Saturday. I think it's 7 p.m. on Friday and 6 p.m. on Saturday. A little weird scheduling yeah, there, but uh, um, two games uh, against what has been over the last few seasons a lesser opponent. Um, obviously, with the concerning quote that we shared yeah. earlier, we don't want UMass to take the foot off the yeah, gas. But I'll just give a little update on where Vermont's at so far this season. They're 2-2-1. Two, two um, they have a win against St. Lawrence. They won against UConn last night, yeah. Friday night. So uh, say what you will about that win. Um, UConn has not been what we expected them to be this no, year. So um, not great. But they played number seven Providence uh, both games on the road and they actually snuck out a tie in one of those games a win in the shootout so they got two yeah. hockey east points out of it Providence very good team this year they they snuck out a first place vote in the last poll nationally I yep. believe so um, they lost to Clarkson three to two um, this I don't know this might be a sneaky team they've played yeah. better than I would have expected them to given their schedule so for sure far. I mean yeah I think in all of like my preseason stuff that I've been doing I had them in the bottom two I think I yeah. had them second to last I mean Part of that is just kind of going off of historical records, you know what I mean? They haven't been, I'm pretty sure they just recently lost their coach. I think there was some sort of scandal with them, so I, mm. I don't know what it is. New coach, new life, I don't know what's going on, but they're sneaking by some very, very solid results against some very, very solid teams, but 
again, like, they're, it's kind of weird. Like, they seem wildly inconsistent. Like, they're losing to guys like Clarkson, but yet they're absolutely, you know, I wouldn't say dominating, but they're putting up very, very respectable results against teams like freaking Providence. On you know road. what I mean? So that's absolutely huge. I mean, I don't know what type of Vermont team we're going to see. You know, I'm really hoping that, you know, Carvey and the other coaches are drilling into these guys' heads this entire week. Do not take them lightly. You know, we're here for two home games. We should be leaving here with six hockey East points. That needs to be the mentality going forward. You know, I, I think that Vermont is a sneaky team, but I think we just got that quality. You know what I mean? If we don't let off the gas pedal and we play to our to our potential, we beat any team in the, in the country, in my opinion. So they just need to be one unfortunate soul in the way, in my opinion. I, yeah, I personally think anything less than five points is honestly not good enough yeah. against this opponent. Obviously, you don't want to disrespect them, but... I don't want them to fall fall and play to their opponent's level again. Yeah. Last year, we saw Vermont come into Mullins for two games, uh, same exact situation, and they tied both of them. Both yeah. of them went to a shootout, yep. um, and that. Vermont was not great last year. Obviously, UMass had their own struggles to deal with, but um, never never take an opponent lately, especially in conference. I think this is when you have to make your biggest jump to, to build up those Hockey East points so that it matters uh, come near the end of the and, season. And I, I think the key, the key word here is not disrespecting your opponent, but it's respecting yourselves. You know what I mean? Like, if you play to the level that you know that you can play at, it doesn't matter what the hell the other team's doing at the end of the day. You know, you disregard whatever they try and throw at you. You play your style of hockey. You, you impose your will on your opponent. It doesn't matter who's in front of you at the end of the day. you got to respect yourself and your teammates enough to show up 110% every night and get it done. And I feel like if we do that, like I said, it doesn't matter who we play against. I don't care if it's Michigan. I don't care if it's Vermont. I don't care if it's, you know, a, 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 a hot UNH team right now. You know what I mean? Any team can get hot and cold at any point during the season. You just got to make sure that you stay hot. Doesn't matter if the other team's hot or cold. You just got to stay hot at the end of the day. A couple of stats that I'm looking at right now for Vermont that UMass really should be taking advantage of: uh, two point goal, two point four goals per game. Yep. That's pretty low. Um, obviously, UMass, if they put in a good defensive effort, can definitely limit this team. Yep. A shocking one here: one for twenty-five on the power play. So for Vermont, for Vermont yeah. Yikes. If UMass's pe uh, penalty kill, which we've seen be pretty solid yeah. over the last couple weeks, obviously you had the um, 14 for 14 run at Minnesota State. That was absolutely huge. So that that unit can get it done. Uh, can't be letting them get goals in the power play. Yeah, and I mean, but I mean, the the major thing there is just limiting penalties. You yep. know what I mean? Like yep. we've, I feel like we've had our, our penalty woes at parts of the season. So if we just remain disciplined, if because at the end of the day, right, the main reason why you're giving up penalties. It's because you're getting beat on other areas of the ice. You're not just tripping somebody for the sake of it. You're tripping somebody because you got beat. beat. Yep. You know what I mean? So if we're just able to skate and we match this team stride for stride, we're looking good. You know what I mean? I, I really do think that, you know, at times we, we can see the season, you know, hockey East refs are going to be hockey East refs. We know that. But if you don't give them anything to work with, we're, we're helping our chances as much as humanly possible. So it, it starts by just playing a, a simple, clean game. You know, we've seen that throughout parts of the season. Just got to bring it again, you know, this weekend. So yep. I, I think that we can definitely do that. The main thing that kind of scares me, Gabe Carrier, their goalie. Mm -hmm. uh, you were probably going to get that at some point, but that was the main thing I wanted to highlight. Sure. Their goalie, Gabe Carrier, I've seen flashes of him from when he was a freshman. You know what I mean? He looked like the real deal. I don't remember if he was drafted or not, but he knows what he's doing in net. You know, he put in some very, very solid, you know, just overall performances throughout. I think he's a junior now. You might want to correct me on that. I want to say he was the starting goalie, or at least he was on the team two years ago when we went up there for uh, for the Vermont series. But um, he's a senior this year. He's a senior. Wow. Yeah. So that that tells you everything right there. No wonder he's doing well. He's pretty old. But yeah, yeah no, he he really is a big difference maker for that team. I really do think that uh, he brings them a you know a lot of stability to the back end of the ice and. I feel like the best way that we're going to beat that team is just by simply outscoring them. I know that sounds stupid. Haha, ha. you got to you got to win games by scoring more goals than your opponent. I get that. But I genuinely think that you know, if we just keep bombarding him and you know, just keep pounding the rock, getting pucks into that danger area, he's going to crack. You yeah. know what I mean? He's a very solid goalie. All solid goalies, you're able to crack them if you do the right things in front of the net. I feel like we haven't really been doing amazing at getting in front of the net and getting shots to go through. It feels like we're trying to, like, at least I've noticed in the past couple weeks, we get a lot of shots, like, you know, from our defensemen, but we block our own shots a lot of the time. We're not good at kind of being effective screeners, if that makes sense. We're more or less just kind of big, lumbering guys that are in the way. We're not necessarily doing it in a smart manner that's conducive to scoring goals. Because if you're blocking your own shot, 
who cares? You know what I mean? You're not right. getting anything done. So I think that is a part of our game that we've got to work at is just being effective in front of the net and not just being there for the sake of being there. But I think that'll be one of the big keys to beating Gabe Carrier uh, this coming weekend. Yeah. And on the skater side of things, uh, one guy does catch my eye, Simone Jealous. Uh, he's got four goals, zero assists. So a big, a big, big shooter sniper, type guy. Yeah, okay. um, he leads the team in goals by at least two, from what I could tell. A lot of not a, not a lot of goals for this team so far. And then looking up and down this roster, there's an insane amount of international guys. Yeah. I hope they don't score a lot of goals next week because that's going to be a really difficult game series recap for me. But uh, yeah, a lot of big big international influence on this team. Yeah, we noticed that quite a bit, honestly. I remember seeing that a lot of the times over the past couple seasons when we look at Vermont. Same thing with AIC. Kind of makes sense for AIC, American International, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, Vermont, I've noticed a lot of the times has a really big European influence. I'm trying to spitball right now. I know they have Sebastian Tornquist's brother. Yep. Uh, what's his name again? Oscar? I don't remember. Tornquist. Oh my gosh, this is a insane roster. If you want to Go take a look. See, that's at the it. problem. Is that Philip I can't, Thorne. Philip Thorne. Philip Thorne. Okay, yeah. I don't know where the hell I got Oscar from, but yeah. So Philip Thorne or Tornfist, That's uh, that's Sebastian's brother. Um, I know we have former UMass commit Timofey Spitzerov on the team. I don't know if he's playing games for them right now. Again, I can't check because the service out here is terrible. I don't see him on the roster. Ooh, I wonder what happened. Yeah. yeah. Huh. He must have. He might have transferred them. Okay. Well, never mind. I know he was on the roster last year for sure. But uh, yeah. So. Ooh. Luca Mutzenberger. Yeah, that is quite a name. I do remember seeing that name. I don't remember if he's uh, been very effective for them, but I yep. know they have some. They have some pretty crazy names on the team. Yep. Uh, but yeah. Oh, oh Spitzroff is on the roster. That's my bad. That's what I thought. That's I could have sworn he has a goal. He has a goal this season. Okay. Is he playing every game? He has. Yeah, he's playing every game. All right. Game. So yeah, he's he's a pretty decent part of their roster yeah. right now. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too into the weeds of interesting names and former UMass commits <laughs> and uh, other other things of that nature. But. Uh, yeah, like I said, they have a solid team, man. You know, like, they have a couple of really, really, you know, they got sneaky guys on that team. That's the thing. Is yeah. like, I feel like none of those names inherently kind of just jump out at you, and you're like, they got the draft pedigree, and they got, you know, these familial relations that mean they're going to be good players. They kind of just seem like everyday normal dudes, but, you know, they're, they're going to get their goals. You know, they've been playing very well this season, so... We'll see how we match up against them. But as long as we take them seriously, I feel like we're in a really good spot. Yeah, the last thing I'll say about it is if you want to, as a team, disrespect a, a school like Northeastern's hockey program, you better get at least five points next correct, weekend. Correct. I I don't think there's any excuse for getting less than that. I'm going to need a good explanation if they don't get 100%. at least five points next yeah, weekend. Seriously. All right, so uh, that'll wrap it up for our little preview of the next series. We don't have a full Hockey East slate to go over. We're recording this on a Saturday afternoon, so there's still games to go tonight. But we'll go over what we had on Friday night. So um, some good games to go through. Providence at New Hampshire. This one was a tie. Uh, Providence won in the shootout. New Hampshire, they were ranked 15th this weekend, well-deserved. They have had an insane start to the season. So, I mean, they were picked by a lot of people to be last in the conference, so crazy to see them doing what they're doing. They, they tie another top-10 team. Maine beat Merrimack on the road 2-1. to one. Uh, As I said earlier, Vermont beat UConn 4-1. to one. BC beat UMass Lowell 3-2. to two. BC ranked number one this week for the yep. first time this season, yep. so that's pretty impressive. Um, uh, and the last one, BU beating North Dakota 3-2 to two at home, so a good win for them. Um, seems like everything played out as it was expected to this weekend except for New Hampshire just I guess maybe that is expected yeah just no, dominating well that, that, that's what I'm gonna get into like I feel like hockey East is the strongest that it's ever been at least at least in very recent memory you know what I mean like anybody can beat anybody right now they're completely turning my preseason rankings on its head like we I basically had every team that you just said won I had them towards the lower half of the rankings basically and basically every team that they beat I had in the upper rankings you know like UConn, I had them finishing, I think, third or fourth this season. I think Merrimack, I had second or third. Like, these teams are getting beat by teams that I had ranked, like, eighth and, like, 11th, respectfully. You know? <laughs> like, it's unbelievable to see. I mean, definitely was unexpected, for sure. But that just shows you what college hockey is all about. Like, what is that, Augustana, Augustana, whatever the hell you say? Yep. They're a brand-new team. They, I think they've won, like, their first couple of games with a program. Like, a lot of teams are just absolutely turning other teams on their head and it's completely and utterly unexpected. But I think that that's the beauty of college hockey, you know? Yeah. You never know who's going to win on any given night. At this point, it makes for an exciting season for me, but also a very, very scary one because now it feels like there's no such thing as an easier, like, you know, a normal kind of re- 
replicable. Like, like just like a win that you're going to get nine times out of ten. There's no teams win that on, are like Wins on paper. Yeah, there's yeah. none of that this season. And I don't think there is going to be for a little bit because right now it looks like Hockey East has some very, very good coaching in front of them. Coaches that maybe didn't have it figured out in previous seasons, but they got it figured out now. If they can keep that going, man, Hockey East is the premier college hockey conference. There's no yeah. way around that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how the rest of the season shakes out for sure. But... Things are getting a little bit crazy right now, especially this early on in the season. Certainly a lot of parity this year, yep. which is pretty cool to see, all things considered. Um, if we're all set talking about this, I figured we'd finish the episode off with some breaking news. Breaking just news came in. As we're talking right now, uh, Mark Delgaizo is on the ice for the Nashville Predators. He, really? took, his, he took his rookie lap for warm-ups. He is making his NHL debut, uh, obviously. Former star, UMass defense. So happy for Mark there, dude. Yep. That, that is that is so deserved because he was such an underrated part of like kind of just the UMass hockey program in general. I feel like when people think of like star defensemen for us, no offense, but I feel like Mark Del Guy like he doesn't get named a lot, and I feel and like he, he should because he had maybe the biggest goal in genuine mystery. Like, and that's the like he was such a good defender on both sides of the ice. Like we knew that this was coming eventually. It was more or less just a matter of when and not if. But the fact that it's finally happened, because I feel like we've been teased a little bit over the past couple seasons. Like, he's been called up to, like, the taxi squad or whatever. Yeah. You know, he'll get the potential of, oh, maybe he's the seventh defenseman, but he was never able to start. Right. Now he finally gets it. So happy for him. that I'm happy for the whole Delgaizo family. Let's be honest here. Yeah. Like, you know, Anthony, obviously a very awesome dude. I think uh, just overall, this is super, super good moment for him for sure. Yeah, great to see that, and I think that's how we'll finish things off. We got a UMass football game to go attend, uh, looking for their second win in a row for the first time in a few years. Nice homecoming game against Merrimack, so uh, we're going to get off to that. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate all the support, especially uh, I know UMass winning has kind of contributed to a lot of our growth as a podcast, but just that you guys are willing to watch and uh, you watch the games and then you're willing to listen to us talk about it for an hour plus after that. We we love to see it. We're really appreciative. Yeah, it's, it's been awesome to see. So thank you guys so much. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this sounds in post. We'll, hopefully there's not too much background noise. Hopefully it was an, an enjoyable listen yeah, to you hopefully. guys listening on the app. But uh, hopefully we'll do some more of these. This is, this is fun. So um, thank you guys yet again for everything. Uh, go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. Let's get the UMass football win today, and we'll complete the sweep of dubs for this weekend. Let's go.